Very good. Okay, well, welcome back to the second part of our two-part series on honoring our parents. And I know a lot of you guys are waiting for this week, so we'll uh, get right into it. I'm going to ask John to lead us in prayer and a song, and we'll get started. Thanks, John. Okay, honoring our parents, part two. All right. What I'd like to do first off is just kind of real quickly review what we went over last week for you folks that weren't here, and, and just to remind us uh, kind of the foundation that we're setting and moving us into today's study. Uh, so first off, one of the first, first things we did last time was we established, hopefully made a case for the family being God's design. We talked about... Um, you know, it was the school uh, for which we train the next generation. And we talked about the training being, you know, uh, moral training, physical training, spiritual training, all the things that are needed uh, to train up the next generation. God designed the family to be that. We also defined honor. You know, our topic is honoring parents. So we tried to set the principle of what does that actually mean. We talked about the principles of reverence, obedience, and recompense. And we kind of tabled recompense to this week is going to be our focus. And we also were a little more specific in reverence of the heart, word and action. And I know a lot of people ask me about this book. I read some stuff out of it's For This Is Right. You guys want to write that down? By Pam Forster. Okay. Based on the catechisms, it just runs you through a series of questions. Um, great devotional type tool, uh, family worship type tool. So that's uh, what we were reading out of. Got my email right, Pace? <laughs> Okay, and we also spent some time reviewing Exodus 20:12, and uh, you know, made the point that there's no expiration date on honoring our parents, but that doing so look, may look different at different seasons in our life. Okay, uh, we also looked at Jeremiah and the principle of God's curse or blessing associated with honoring or dishonoring our parents. And one thing I want to clarify, you guys know that uh, obviously we're not under curse as believers. Okay, I mean, you can kind of substitute the word uh, you know, discipline there. So, no, we're not under a curse for those who uh, are believers. But there still is a principle of uh, God's discipline. You know, if we are dishonoring our parents, 
um, there are consequences to that. Uh, we also, then we got a little more specific, <clears throat> and we really focused on honoring our parents in the transitional years. We, we set up some uh, examples of, of ways to do that, um, some principles. Number one, being thankful for our parents, understanding that uh, that was God's plan. God uh, um, gave you those parents. Okay? We need to wrong, uh, avoid wrongly judging our parents. The older, older you get, the more you see that they are sinners too and that they're not perfect and they make mistakes. And, and it's very, very important that we not wrongly judge them. We talked about developing a biblical understanding of adult freedom. And we introduced this principle of liberty chained to Christ. That as we get older, we gain independence. Um, what we do with that, that liberty, that independence is critical. We contrasted the world's view of that. You know, as we get older and we move out of the house, that, hey, we're free to do whatever we want, and then is the time to be less responsible, no consequences for our actions. And then we looked at the biblical view of that, which really is directly opposite, and actually showing, uh, taking on more responsibility, not only for yourself, but for others. Liberty chained to Christ. Developing a biblical perspective of adulthood, okay, uh, we're going to spend a few more minutes talking about that because it helps us transition. Um, so we'll come back to that. Def define the transition to adulthood with parents and live transparent lives with our parents. Uh, what we laid out there was the principle of good communication. Okay, Trying to set uh, those principles in place of what is adulthood? What are the expectations? What uh, challenges are we going to face? What things do I need to work on as I transition to adulthood? The more we can communicate with our parents, the easier that transition will be, and that is honoring to our parents. And then living transparent lives, we set the principle of, look, if, if you are afraid to share something with your parents or uneasy about it, it's probably something they wouldn't approve, and it's probably not something that uh, God would approve either. Okay, and that kind of brings us to this week's goals. So we're going to review biblical adulthood, and then uh, we're going to talk specifically about honoring our parents during our adult years. Now, last week when we talked about biblical adulthood, we really just brought out one key principle, and that's marriage. Okay, um, The leave and cleave principle in Genesis 2.24. Clearly, that's a defining separation point, okay? uh, marriage. And I don't think there's much debate about that. But there's a lot of people that are living outside of the home, that aren't married. So when when is uh, when when does somebody reach biblical adulthood? It's a good question. The Bible's not absolutely clear on that. It, it's somewhat gray. So I think the key to that is we just develop some general principles. Okay. I mean, if you're thinking about it, let's say that you are out out of the home. Okay. Maybe you're in college. Uh, however, you're relying on your parents' finances to support you. Um, you're probably not truly reached biblical adulthood yet. You're still dependent upon them. And so those principles of obedience would more than likely still apply. All right. What I'm trying to do is just lay some general principles here. You, you have to apply it to each different situation. Um, you know, if you're not actually able to uh, spiritually lead a family, if you're not able to uh, conduct yourself independently free from your parents, if you're still relying on them for some need, um, you know, you may not have reached true biblical adulthood. So I hope that's clear as mud. 
But there is a gray area there. There's no definitive time other than marriage, which is very clear, uh, that's pointed out. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about that marriage and the cleave and leave principle versus honoring our parents. Because now we have a, kind of a dilemma. If the Bible tells us to leave and cleave, but at the same time honoring our parents. What happens when those things are competing against one another? There's a couple of key Bible passages. Uh, we don't necessarily need to look these up because we looked them up a ton last week. But Genesis 2.24 gives us the, the leave and cleave principle. Uh, Ephesians and Exodus both talk about honoring our parents. Okay? What I want to do is just kind of go into those verses in a little more detail. And there's three aspects of Genesis 2.24 that we need to look at. <clears throat> Number one is leave. What does it actually mean to leave? Well, there are two types of relationships that are occurring in a family. One is the parent-child relationship. And the thing to understand there is that is a temporary relationship. Okay? The child is not going to stay a child. They're going to grow to adulthood. So that relationship is, is temporary. It's going to be changing over time. The husband-wife relationship, hopefully it should be a permanent relationship, as noted in Matthew 19.6. Somebody look that up real quick. Anybody who's been to a wedding lately has probably heard that. So no one is to separate, two become one. Okay? It's a permanent relationship. So that's the leaving. Okay? Um, cleaving. To pursue hard after someone else, being stuck to. Okay? And it really technically means being stuck to something like glue. Okay? There should be no close relationship, human relationship, that exists between a husband and a wife. Okay. So we see this principle of these two types of relationships that are going on in the family uh, and what the husband-wife relationship would look like and then the fact that the parent-child is a temporary relationship. Okay. And then lastly is the one flesh principle. And two individuals created into one single new entity, oneness in every aspect. Okay. Uh, physical, emotional, intellectual, financial, everything. All right, so that's kind of what the uh, Genesis 2.24 is bringing out. So let's talk about those other, other principles. So, yes, we are supposed to cleave to our wife, um, leave our parents, but we also still have to maintain the principles of honoring our parents. We need to treat them with a respectful attitude, as talked about in Proverbs, obeying them uh, when their commands, and this is key, obeying them when their commands are in keeping with God's law. Okay, in Ephesians 6.1, says, in the Lord. Okay? Uh, nowhere does it tell us that we are to obey our parents if it's against God's will, if they're asking us to sin. Okay? And hopefully we all understand that. Uh, and then taking care of them as they get older. Uh, let's look up those two verses. Somebody look up Mark 7, 10 to 12, and one other person, 1 Timothy. We're going to definitely talk about 1 Timothy more and more, so we'll go ahead and look that up.
Right, First Timothy. the right one there <laughs> yeah t- 10 to 12 now first timothy who's got first timothy anybody Okay, so you see some principles there. And we are going to expand all that here in a minute, so just hold on. All right, so where's the line? Okay, we have these two principles that, on the surface, may look like they're competing with one another. Okay, the line is drawn when one principle violates the other. Okay, when you have a parent that's demanding obedience, dependence, emotional oneness, all of those things that we see in the parent-child relationship, when you have a parent that's demanding that um, over the dependence upon and oneness with the spouse, those demands should be rejected because they violate the leave and cleave principle. Well, that's pretty harsh, okay? But that relationship is primary, okay? Now, you say, well, that, how does that make sense? Let's balance that out a little bit, okay? In contrast, when there's a genuine need of an aging parent, whether it's physical, emotional, financial, when those are identified, they need to be met. Well, wait a minute. Do I meet them or do I not? Well, the key is that it can't violate the leaving principle. Okay? Um, regardless of, you know, if there's a true, genuine need, that need needs to be met because that's what the Bible says. And it's regardless of how we feel about it. Okay? It's not really, it's not an emotional decision. It's a, it's a biblical decision. Biblical love towards an aging parent is based on choosing to do the loving thing, not if it feels good, okay? Does that make sense? So, I mean, it's a little bit, little bit subjective, but the key is just to understand those two competing principles. <coughs> now, that principle is, is not a new thing. We see that throughout the Bible of different examples. One we brought out here is in Romans 13, uh, basically, where we're mandated to uh, obey authorities, whatever those authorities are, or governments, etc. And then Acts 4, 5 through 20, um, basically you have the apostles here that are, that are told, don't go out and preach Christ, be quiet, don't do that. So the authorities are telling them not to do something. Okay? However, that violates the command that was given to them by Christ. Two competing authorities, one takes priority over the other. Okay, so in this case, they rejected the government authority, basically, and did, uh, did the higher priority, did the higher command. Okay, and there's other, there's other examples of this, but that's the same principle. Okay, <clears throat> so in a summary, when the parents violate the leave and cleave principle, they should be respectfully disobeyed, and there's the key, Okay. Uh, you don't just say, I ain't doing it. You know, you still, you still have to 
keep the principles of honoring them and showing them respect um, that their position requires. Uh, now, if a spouse's desire, uh, <clears throat> the spouse's desire should be overlooked if they're unwilling to devote the time and energy and finances to require the, you know, to meet the needs of an aging parent, those genuine needs. Okay, and that's where it gets really difficult. When, when there is a genuine, true need of a parent, and then there's conflict between the husband and the wife. That is a really, really difficult situation. And that's where you know, you got to sit down and, and really identify it and maybe seek some counsel on that issue. But the key is to distinguish the felt needs versus true needs of an overbearing, demanding parent. Okay? Okay. Let's just build on that a little bit. Everybody looks at that. Okay, so how do, how do we honor difficult in-laws. You know, this works a lot better when we have a wonderful relationship with our parents and maybe there aren't issues and things are, you know, going wonderful. And, but that's not reality. A lot of us have difficulty with in-laws. Right? So how do we apply those same principles? You know, the uh, Bible's kind of clear on this. A meddling in-law is demanding, controlling, intrudes in the lives of their sons and daughters and in-laws, son-in-laws, daughter-in-laws. They're referred to as a busybody. That's the biblical term, a busybody, all right, uh, you know, which is a self-appointed overseer in men's matters, okay? And in this case, it's an assault on the sanctity of marriage, okay? And it violates the leave and cleave mandate. So what happens when we're dealing with that, when we're dealing with difficult in-laws who are being busybodies? All right, husbands, as usual, it's their responsibility, okay? It's their responsibility. Now, this could go in a lot of different directions, but the reality is most of the time it's issues with, and this, you know, not defending anybody, but most of the time it's problems with mother-in-laws and wives. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is, okay, uh, the majority of the time. There are other possibilities, of course, but husbands must protect and guard the marriage, okay? That's biblically mandated, okay? They can't relinquish, relinquish that responsibility to anyone. They're required to do it. The key is to set the boundaries, all right, and hold to them. Now, we talked about last week the principle of communicating with our parents and identifying what the transition to adulthood looks like, setting expectations. What a wonderful time to talk about this issue before you ever actually have to deal with it, okay? If you have, you know, an 18-year-old son who's talking with his mom and his dad about, hey, when I get married... You know, here's what my marriage needs to look like, and here's, here's what the expectations of our relationship should look like at this point. And, you know, I want to honor you guys, but you need to understand that, you know, my wife is my first priority and responsibility. Start talking about those things. Okay? Great, great time to do it rather than dealing with it after the fact. It's a husband's responsibility. Um, must live up to the commandment given, given to husbands in Ephesians 5, 25, 33. Let's read that real quick. Pull that up just to refresh our memories. Just to convict all the husbands. <laughs> Who's got it?
that covers a host of host of different uh, applications. But you know, the picture I get there is kind of like Dan was talking last week. You have this precious flower, this wonderful precious flower, and it's our job as husbands to protect that. Okay, and if we have a, a difficult in-law that's violating that or trampling on that flower, it's our responsibility uh, to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay. Okay. So how do we do that? Well we still have to apply respect and love, okay? This is where it gets hard. We can't allow our emotions to entangle us. Very difficult sometimes to uh, approach an in-law or your own parent um, whom you may, I mean, you love, okay? You have feelings towards them. You don't want to hurt them, yet you have to make it very clear that there's a problem and that we need to identify a boundary, okay? If you let emotions take over, you're going to go maybe one of two extremes. You may not do anything at all because you're just afraid to hurt their feelings or, you know, to, you don't like conflict, okay? Um, or uh, you may develop true anger and lose respect and act, act, you know, act upon them in a dishonoring way. So we just have to guard ourselves against the emotional aspect of this, um, you know, and clearly define what, what our goal is and, and uh, try to communicate with them. Best way to disengage, and I put enemy in brackets. They're not our enemies, but the principle of principle here still applies. Uh, if you want to disengage an enemy, make them an ally. Okay, love them, love them. That's going to um, take care of a lot of issues. Okay, and we must rely on God's grace because none of this we can do alone. <clears throat> okay. So what are some practical ways? That, those principles sound wonderful, but let's get into some real practical application. How do we please Jesus in our action and attitude towards disapproving in-laws, difficult in-laws? Great little reference here. Heaven and home. Okay. Once again, my wonderful wife pointed this out to me. Okay. Uh, there's, there's many, many topics in here, but one of them is dealing with uh, difficult in-laws. Okay. And this is by Plowman. Okay. And basically this, this lady uh, set out or identified her own example of difficult in-laws and how she dealt with that, how she made it right. And she wrote down 10, 10 things, 10 suggestions, things that she did that really made a big difference. So I wrote them down. They're real practical. One of the things she said is, look, every time my in-laws called the home, I got on the phone and talked with them, even when I didn't feel like it. Okay, that's a way of honoring them, showing that you care about them. Okay, sending cards from time to time for no particular reason. Okay, my mom loves cards. Okay, that's just that's her, you know, her way that she feels appreciated when people send her cards. Some people are that way. Other people have different things that um, you know they find as loving. So just identifying those those key things. Just send them for no reason. Listen closely to them, giving undivided attention. That's sometimes difficult. So if your in-laws are over and they're talking about something you have no interest in whatsoever, you got to listen or try to. Really give them your undivided attention. You may actually learn something. And she's, she actually said that. She learned a ton about um, things that she had zero interest in, but she, she knows about them because she li listened attentively. And that's honoring them. Okay? Constantly reminding yourself that they are my honey's parents, okay? Um, you know, you love your spouse, okay? Um, they were the 
product of those people. Okay, so keep that in mind. And this is probably the, the most important thing. You have to decide. Okay, you have to make a decision to have an attitude of respect and honor. Okay, the emotions will catch up. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. When they visit, ask them for assistance. Okay, this, uh, this, this author talked about her mother-in-law was a phenomenal cook, which was a great thing. So when she came over, she always said, hey, Mom, can you help? Oh, yeah. That was a way of honoring her, getting her engaged, showing that you appreciate her skills. Okay, Maybe you have a, a father-in-law who's really handy. You know, hey, Dad, can you help me and fix this doorknob over here? You know, uh, engaging them, showing that uh, you recognize some skill they have and that um, you would like their assistance. It's an excellent way to give honor to them. Okay. Okay, show an interest in what they are interested in. What do they enjoy? Okay. Um, you know, show an interest. Ask them questions about it. Constantly tell them how much their son or daughter uh, means to you and thank them for raising the great son or daughter. Okay? What a wonderful way to honor your parents by recognizing you know, whether they really did a wonderful job or not. Um, you know, giving them credit for the things they did, did well. Pray. Pray and ask God to change your attitude to one of love and acceptance. And another one, sometimes difficult, recommendation. Vow to never criticize, even in a joking matter, regarding your in-laws in public. And probably not in private either. Okay? And certainly you can speak with your spouse and discuss your in-laws. Uh, but we need to be very, very careful about talking about them in public. Okay? And that a principle applies to everyone, not just your in-laws. But if we're going to change our emotions, how we feel, we need to make that cognitive decision to do the right thing. Talk the right way, act the right way, do the right thing, and, and pray. And the emotions and the feelings will, will lag behind, okay? And that's what happened in this uh, author's instance. She says she has a wonderful relationship with her in-laws now, just working on these principles. And there are many others, but those are a few. So let's talk about honoring an abusive parent. Now, I just used abusive parent as an example. You can plug in a lot of different words here. Difficult parent, abusive parent. In other words, a very uh, uh, difficult, maybe damaged parental relationship. Okay. Well, this command still applies. This command still applies. The Bible doesn't say honor your father and mother only if they did a wonderful job with you and, and did everything right. The command still applies. We're to honor them. Okay. So one thing we need to remember, though, in doing that is God is a loving, heavenly father. Okay, and if he's telling us to honor our parents, it's for our ultimate good. Even though it may feel impossible to do so, maybe there's a lot of hurt that goes along with that, his command still applies because it is for our good. Okay, if we truly desire to obey him, he'll help us. He always does. A couple of key texts, let's look these up. Uh, he must do a work in us. Let's... Uh, Let's just look at the first two there, Luke and 1 John, particularly 1 John. So this is not something that we're going to be able to do ourselves, guys. Uh, he's going to have to do a work 
in us to be able to accomplish this. Okay, who's got Luke? So the idea is the Spirit is indwelling him, allowing him to do those things. Who's got First John? Right, right. So he needs to do a work in us, and he's willing to do so. Okay. <clears throat> now, Probably the, the most difficult thing and the key to honoring an abusive parent or any other situation is the last principle here. We have to be willing to forgive. Somebody does need to look up Mark 10, 27. We have to have forgiveness. Without forgiveness, everything stops right there. Okay? There's no way that you're truly going to be able to honor your parents biblically if you haven't forgiven them. All right? As soon as somebody gets there, read that. All things are possible with God, even forgiveness of an abusive parent. Yes, it is. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so I know that was very quick, so such a huge topic uh, regarding an abusive parent, but really that principle is the key. Uh, there's going to be a lot of other things going on once that forgiveness is given, but that's a huge key step. And then you start applying those other principles that we talked about. <clears throat> How about caring for our parents, okay? Older parents that need uh, attention, they actually need uh, care. Well, kind of a uh, convicting quote here from Luther. One father will more willingly maintain ten sons than ten sons will maintain one father. Very true, very sad, but true, okay? So honoring our parents encompasses providing for them when they can no longer provide for themselves. Okay, we read some texts earlier that identified that. And the primary responsibility for doing that, for caring for aging members of the church, falls to the family first. Okay? And we read 1 Timothy earlier, uh, but the first couple verses in 1 Timothy is, is really the, the context there is the church is trying to deal with uh, widows and orphans, should church funds be used to support them, Okay, and, the, and then it follows up with the fact that, well, wait a minute. The family is the first responsibility. Okay, that's who's in charge of doing that first. And if there's no family there, then the church has precedence to step in and help widows and orphans, etc. But it primarily falls on family members first. Okay. <clears throat> so let's just have some closing thoughts here. We're going to be done a little early and have a few minutes for just some discussion or questions. What was Christ's motivation for his perfect submission and obedience to the Father? What was it? It was love. Okay. We were pretty heavy last week on law. You know, law, law, law. Do this, command this, command this. Um, 
But our motivation, just like anything else, always should be love. Without love, we have nothing. Dan's been preaching on that. We have nothing. Okay, zero with no ring. Okay? Uh, we are nothing without love. We honor our parents because we love Christ and we want to honor him. Okay, that's the over, overlying theme here with all this. If we're not doing it to honor, to honor God, um, it means nothing. It really does. Okay? So we got about 10 minutes. Um, and I know there's lots of people that have different um, situations. So let's have some questions and discussion. Fire away. Yeah, um, good question. This was dangerous for me to ask. <laughs> what was I thinking? Where's Dan? <laughs> well, Brent told me the way you handle that is, uh, um, I think one thing to remember is we are responsible for our actions, are we not? Um, we are not held uh, responsible for how other people act, what they say, what they do. We're responsible for what we do. Okay, now... With that said, we also need to, um, uh, we need to recognize, uh, you know, church, when a church goes to help somebody that walks in off the street, they just don't blindly do that. They do their homework, they do due diligence, and they're discerning. Okay, so I think there are examples where if you have parents that are, are uh, maybe abusing your help or, or not uh, being responsible in their actions, the loving thing to do may, may be uh, not to reinforce that those poor decisions. You know, I, you know, I don't know the specifics here, but I think those principles of discernment still apply okay, as long as you are doing the loving thing. Okay? And doing the loving thing isn't always supporting a losing cause. You know, that's maybe not a great word for that. Um, but you know, if you're, let's say that you're financially supporting your parents, but they are unbelievably, obviously wasting resources and not applying good sound financial principles well is that really the honoring thing to do to keep feeding that poor behavior no it's probably not okay so the loving thing may be like hey let's let's go let's go get some help let's get some counseling let's talk about your financial situation i want to support you i want to honor you but listen you are um crippling my family because uh, of your lack of following good principles you get the idea there? It's, it's, it's a tough call. Okay? Um, now, one other point I want to make, particularly with caring for our older parents. Does that mean that in every situation you need to open up your house and your parents need to be living in your house and it's your job to take care of them? Maybe not. Okay? But it is our responsibility. That may look a little different for some folks. Um, but I, I don't want to get up here and draw the line that it looks the same for everybody. What I want to uh, point out, though, is that we have to make sure that we are taking responsibility for it. We're making sure that those needs are getting taken care of. Okay? And that may be delegating that. There may be a situation where that has to be done. Okay? 
but we need to, we need to honor them. We need to take care of them. Okay. Other questions? Wow, we got this big. Yes. <laughs> Unbelieving parents. Yeah, I would say uh, we're still to honor them, and all principles still apply. Here's what I would say about that. I did do a fair amount of reading on that. Um, honoring unbelieving parents is the kind of the question there. Okay, you do. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I think the best way to do that and um, is is yes, we are to. We are to continue to point them to Christ. However, uh, you need to do that in a, in a way that doesn't create conflict. In other words, you don't want to necessarily go to their house and get in with a heated debate on, you know, you're lost and you're going to hell. That's not honoring them. First and foremost, we need to live good examples to them. Okay? Meet, meet needs, um, show Christ's love and how we talk to them, how we act with them. I, the, all the same principles still apply. Okay? Um, but we need to show them the love of Christ through the way we, we talk to them and the way we, you know, we treat them. Um, I don't know how else to answer that other than uh, it doesn't mean we continue to force it on them, okay? Because that's just going to create more tension, okay? Um, how do you handle a, a non-believer at your work or a non-believer a neighbor, okay? Um, you don't necessarily continue to, to hammer on them, okay? You sh you Lead them to Christ by how we act. Um, take opportunities to show them the love of Christ when that appears. Okay. Um, I don't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> so, what else? Yes. Great question. So you have, <laughs> you warned me too, didn't you? <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, this is Chuck's opinion now, okay? So this isn't, all right. So you have multiple kids. You have a parent that has that have needs. How do you handle that? Well, it quite often is going to fall on one more than the others. Uh, I think the best way to do that is to try to communicate. You know, call those other siblings and say, hey, here's the need. Um, how would you guys like to, how can you assist? Um, maybe one is a thousand miles away. It's a little more difficult. Maybe they can help financially. Um, you know, we, we, we have an example where, you know, Lisa's sister can come stay with, um, uh, with us for a week, allow us to get out. I mean, that's a way that, they, that she can contribute. So I think the key is just involving them. You know, telling them, hey, this is our responsibility. These are our parents. We need to honor them. Here's what I'm able to do. Um, here's some needs. Maybe can you plug in? Can you help? Okay. And ultimately, it's their responsibility to honor their parents just like you are. So, but, no, it doesn't look the same for each one because everyone has different abilities, different life situations. But the principle still applies.
Okay, any other questions? We've got about two minutes, so. Okay. All right, well, I appreciate uh, you guys attending. Great questions, and, um, you know, hopefully those principles. You know, when I, was, when I was doing this, I was writing down 100 different scenarios, and there are unlimited scenarios for different situations. You can't deal with all of those. That's why I really wanted to just lay down some principles. We apply those principles, and they work just with everything all situations okay um, thanks let's close in yes Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and ultimately, you're in control of what you do. So, great. Thanks. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray, and we'll uh, do the service. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that um, you've given us biblical principles to deal with all life situations, or even the most difficult, Lord. And I know that there are many of us, Lord, uh, that are dealing with, or struggling with honoring of our parents. Um, Lord, help us. Lord, help us with our attitudes. Lord, help us uh, continually lean on you for the strength, uh, for the change in our hearts that's required, Lord, to honor them and ultimately honor you, Lord. We just pray for we pray for those who aren't saved, Lord, those parents that are unbelievers, that through our actions, what we say to them, how we treat them with love, that it will point them towards Christ, Lord, and their, their uh, salvation. Lord, I just pray for this church body, that it too would recognize uh, needs out there, Lord, uh, and that would be a supporting structure for the families. And uh, Lord, just continue to do a work in this body. Pray all these things in Christ's name. Okay, if anybody wants my notes on this stuff, just send me an email or let me know. I can email you the PowerPoint presentation, give you the references, whatever you'd like. So, thanks. Mm-hmm.